You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Have you ever had a fight or a disagreement with someone? I think we all have. Do you struggle with moving forward afterwards? Relationships are difficult to navigate, especially with someone you love. Today, we're talking about conflict resolution and how to fight fair God's way. Hello, friend of God, and welcome to the conversation. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Lydia Martinez. Dr. Martinez is a longtime friend of mine, and I can't wait for you to meet her. She is a licensed mental health counselor with a PhD in marriage and family therapy. She's also certified as a master addiction professional. She's married for 13 years and has three wonderful kids, twin boys, and then a girl. And today she's joining me for Therapy Thursday as we take a look at some therapy techniques and what God has to say, invite him into all of these issues that we struggle with. So hello, Dr. Martinez, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you, Lisa. I am so grateful that we're doing this. I'm so grateful to be here. And I hope that this will comfort someone, that this will help someone, that it will maybe solve some problems, maybe create some other questions for people. And I hope that all of it points to glorifying and edifying God as we go through. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will be with us as we have this conversation. Wonderful. So let's dig right in. Mm -hmm. Conflict resolution. There's my way and there's God's way. And usually, <laughs> I'm hurt and bothered, those two things don't align. So we're going to take a look today at some ways to confront or to have resolution to a conflict. So what would you say are the biggest things standing in the way of conflict resolution? Pride. Wow, that came out, right? Yes, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most of the time when... People come in and, and let's just pick an even more refined topic. Let's talk about marital conflict, okay? okay? I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, I think a lot of it is long periods of hurt feelings, misunderstandings, mixed, let's sprinkle in pride, you know, right. and lack of grace. Lack of grace meaning, you know, I tell my clients when they come to see me, and we talked about this before, is definition of grace and what is grace. And sometimes people, whether they're long-time mature, spiritually mature Christians, or they're baby Christians, or even when they're not even Christians, you know, sometimes they don't even know what the true definition of grace is. And it's simply undeserved forgiveness. That's a hard one to chew on, right? It certainly is especially when we're hurt, especially when the person hasn't expressed regret. Remorse, genuine remorse, yeah, genuine regret. Yeah, I think as Christians, we're called to pray for that. We're called to pray for that person, figure out what's going on. Why haven't they gotten to that point? You know, one thing is to get on your knees and ask for mercy in private, but isn't it so much harder to ask for mercy and beg for forgiveness for someone else from another person? Right. What do you think is harder? Definitely it's harder when you're begging for, I want justice for the other person. I want justice. I want them to take full responsibility for what they've done. I want them to express it in the perfect way. And then I want them to humbly ask me if I will forgive them. 
Yeah, that's a lot of wants. That's a lot yes. of wants for the other person. Right, but, who's not on the same page most of the time. Yeah, so, and then it makes me think, what is our responsibility? You know, when I hear a lot of you messages, you know, I, I want yes. the other person to do this. I want the other person to, what about us? You know, what is our role in that? How can we help the other person get to that point? What do you think that would be? Well, I think to start with, we got to sit down with God and talk about what what the, let's just say it's one conflict, right? We know it's never just one conflict, but if it's one conflict, I need to sit down and see what is really going on here. And I need to evaluate my own feelings. Like, why is this hurt? Why, why is this hurting me? Why am I so bothered by this? Like, is it something, did I have an expectation that wasn't met? Or am I just in a really cranky, bad mood right now? And everything, you know, they're doing is bothering me. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great place to start because then you're really stepping back from the situation and say, what just happened? And mm -hmm. why is it so bothersome to me? And sometimes if I'm going to be honest, it is just that I'm in a really bad mood. I'm overwhelmed by life and they weren't supporting me the way I thought they should. And so I'll just tell you now, most of the time it's my fault. Not all the time, <laughs> but most of the time it's my fault because I'm very vocal and my husband's not. So for me in my marriage, usually my kids will tell you, well, you shouldn't have said that or why did you react like that? So yeah. I think starting at a place where you go like, what part did I have in that? And where can I take responsibility? And then if I can humble myself and take responsibility and say, hey, I'm really sorry I lost my temper or I you know, responded so short with you. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed because of these situations. Mm -hmm. And then that usually will set a place where hopefully if they've said or done something wrong, they can pick up that. But I've learned, I've been married long enough to know that doesn't <laughs> always happen. And it's actually God teaching me like, you be okay with that. You take your responsibility, you take your part and then leave the rest to God. Like forgive them, even though they don't seek forgiveness, I can forgive them because I don't wanna carry that burden. Mm -hmm. And I think unforgiveness is putting the burden on yourself. You're now carrying yeah. that burden. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, it all and it all depends on what your intentions are. You know, if you're coming to the table to say, hi, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And, and you're really expecting them to, you know, like a tennis match, you're expecting them to give it back to you and say, I'm sorry, too. How genuine is that? Sorry. How genuine yeah. is what you're doing? You have to have a place where you are coming to the conversation and you got to release it. You have to give your part of it and leave it at God's feet and let him do deal with your husband the way that he needs to be talked to in in his form, you know, men are different than women. Definitely. Yeah. And um, the best and apologies I've received in my life have been when I have released it to God and said, I'm never going to get an apology for that. Like they're never going to take responsibility. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to continue to treat them with kindness. And then all of a sudden, you know, my husband will tell me something very deep and meaningful. And, you know, I shouldn't have said that. And, and something, and I'm like, wow, wow. And those mm -hmm. are the best ones because he's not following my lead. He's yeah. not, you know, checking off the box. Okay, I'm sorry too. Now leave me alone. He's actually, mm -hmm. I see his heart. Yeah. And it's, it's always a hard issue, isn't it? Yeah. And I think and, and journaling is wonderful for this because you, as Christians, we speak Christianese. We tell each other, take it to God. 
Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That's what a is great question. taking it to God? What does that mean? So when I journal and I sit with a conflict and I write out what happened, like mm-hmm. what really happened, and then I write out like what's happening, what could I possibly be learning? What could God be teaching me through this difficult situation? Is it something I need to refine in myself? Which, I mean, I don't think any of us can say, no, I'm perfect. I had absolutely zero to do. But searching through, writing it out, working through the feelings, but before the Lord. And then I can make my little bullet point thing. These are the issues that are really bothering me still. And then I can sit with God and talk to him and say, you know, this hurt me. Why did it hurt me so bad? And would you heal the part of my heart that's hurt? Uh-huh. Or and show me how I can grow. Right. I think it's great you use journaling. What other things do you use, Lisa? Well, definitely the Bible is my go-to. Worship music. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm hurt, I turn on my worship music and it just washes over me. It's like it's my space for the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it kind of like blocks everything out and just leaves a space for me in the Lord. And I think the word, when I find myself in a conflict that I'm hurt or bothered or very angry, if I can go to the word and sit with God and talk to him a little about it and then read his word and allow him to apply the Holy Spirit to that situation. Mm -hmm. I, I usually, I try to say, I won't talk to somebody about a conflict. And this is just in the last few years I've learned this. I won't talk to that person about it until I've talked to God about it. Cause usually I come out different when I talk to God about it. Right. When I'm done praying, when I've worshiped, when I've journaled, when I've spent some time at his feet, I'm able to see, oh, wait, they're a broken sinner. I'm a broken sinner, so we can relate. Mm-hmm. And how how do you do that in the middle of a conflict? Because this, this sounds good. This sounds like you have time to do this. Yes. Or- post-conflict. So how do you do all that in the middle of a conflict? Slow to speak, slow to anger, abounding in love. Mm-hmm. And how do you apply that? Can you give us an example? I'm going to give you a great example. Not necessarily, I'm going to do pre-conflict. I'm going to do like, no, um, post-conflict. The conflict's already happened, but I need to talk about it because I'm a talker. I need to talk it through most of the time. Okay. So I used to say like, and another thing, or I need to talk to you for a moment regarding this because I need to get this off my chest. Now I'll say, are you open to hearing me out? Because I have some things on my heart that I want to talk to you about. Oh, so is, wait a minute. Is this the conversation you're having with your conflict E? Or e. is this the conversation you're having with God? No, the conversation I'm having with my conflict E. Okay. Like, are you willing to hear me out? And then having the self-control and patience that if I see that they're not saying, no, I don't want to burden you right now, it's we'll talk about it later. And then I trust God, Lord, you know the timing. This is not mm-hmm. the timing, then show me and I can wait. Uh-huh. But I think and- the way you approach it is different. Okay. And I think it matters like when you show not I want to prove my point to you or I want to talk to you about this right now, but mm-hmm. are you open to hear me out? Because okay. there's things I'm trying to work through and understand about what's going on. So are you willing to give me some time and space to talk about it? And so how do you recognize your own triggers or when you're ready to talk to them? How do you know when you're like, okay, this is it, I'm going to call? How do you recognize God's timing or your timing? What's the difference? How do you how Well, do you my timing that? is right now because I'm very anxious and upset and I need to say it. That's my timing. God's mm-hmm. timing is when I no longer feel the pinch mm-hmm. where I've calmed down, where I've worked through it, and I'm looking for resolution. I really want to have peace with this person. To I want to hear them 
and for them mm-hmm. to hear me and I want to try to you know come together and and make up mm-hmm. and so if I were to say on a scale of one to ten where uh, your timing is ten okay you know like I need it right now I'm gonna do it right now the second I need to talk and um, we'll say that God's timing the pinch has gone away God's timing you feel that peace is zero where on that scale do you need to be so that you're okay with whatever the outcome is of setting up that conversation you mean asking for the conversation yeah oh i would say it too i have learned my lessons when i'm up there at the 10 it's not going to end well i might prove my point but i'm going to walk away regretting things that i said i'm going to walk away hurting and distancing myself more from that person. So mm-hmm. the closer I can get down there to that zero, definitely the closer I can get to being filled with the spirit. And now okay. it's, I'm allowing God to work through me to bring peace between us, or I'm trying to prove my point. Okay, and what would you say takes you from a 10 to a two? How do you go from a 10 to a two and how long? I think it, it depends you? on the conflict. Okay, If it's a huge conflict and I feel betrayed, I feel like I can't trust you. I feel like I'm not heard. It's going to take me a lot longer Mm -hmm. because I really need to, I really need to sit with God. I need to have those discussions with God Mm -hmm. and probably with a friend. Like, let's say a family member. I need that one friend that I can trust that I can say, can you just hear me out? Because again, I'm a, I'm a verbal, I work through things verbally. So I'm like, can you hear me out? Can you? And I have great friends great friends. Very rarely do they tell me, oh my gosh, you're totally right. And that person's a jerk. They're usually like, well, how is God stretching you? And how is God growing you? And how can you be more like Christ-like in this conflict? Okay. So that's a great healthy place to be because they're not just saying, egging me on, go tell them that, tell them this, tell her this. No, they're like, you know what? Like I tell my kids, I have a hard time controlling myself. So I am releasing the desire of controlling other people. Okay. And that's a very tough one. But I keep reminding myself, can you control yourself? When you get that one down packed, then you can try to control other people, right? It's not going to work. But I think that calming down, I need a minute working through it. Like it's not the end of the world. This is not, you know, this is not something that needs to be dealt with right now or somebody's going to die and just waiting until a few days pass. And then, you know what? A lot of the times I find this really, it's really not a big deal. It doesn't even need to be discussed. Like we made a mistake. We had a bad day. It's fine. Mm -hmm. We can move on. So, okay. So then let me see if I get it right. You're, you use a lot of self-talk. Yes. You also, um, have set yourself up with some really, a really good support system. You have a lot of really good friends that are genuine to you and that you can tell them things and they're not just going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. These friends will tell you if you're wrong. And you've developed a relationship with these people that you left yourself enough vulnerability in your relationship that you trust with them that if they tell you, hey, you're, you are wrong here, you're okay and you're, you're willing to accept that. So you, you have self-talk, you have good friends that you've established before the conflict that you can turn to. You have, what other things do you do? Besides self-talk, self-talk's not always a good thing, but in certain conversations, <laughs> I would say, you know, even things like taking a walk. Okay. Taking Taking walks are very healthy for me, mentally, Mm -hmm. physically, going outside of my house and seeing fresh air and trees and, you know, walking around. It kind of puts perspective on life. Okay. And that helps me to work through issues. I prayer talk where I think of a few things I need to pray about. And then every block I pray for, you know, I talk to God about it. Every block I change, you know. 
Great. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to say, what about the person that is not Christian and is listening and is thinking, so I do all those things too. What's the difference between me and her? And, you know, you just said you do some prayer talk and you yes. and God talks. So you do some self-talk and then you do some talking to him. And what's that? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, first of all, the journaling is my prayer language. So writing okay. things out, I'm writing a letter to God and I'm talking to God about these conflicts. I'm actually laying my burdens down in front of him. So when I prayer walk, I get outside of my house and outside of my head. And I say, let's say I want to, I'm worried about my three kids and I'm having a conflict with my husband. Then each block I walk, I'll talk to God about a different thing. And I'm like, Lord, I bring my daughter before you and I'm asking you to reveal yourself to her in this way. Uh, I'm bringing my relationship with my husband to show me how I can be more of a helper in the middle of conflict, in the middle of his anxiety or his worries. How can I help him? And really talking to God heart to heart because I believe talking to God is an important part. But then what you get back from God when he softens your heart, when he points you in the right direction, when he gives you the Holy Spirit to heal parts of your heart that are really hurt. Hurt, I think those things are have great value. And it's just literally saying, God, I need you. In this conflict today, in this situation, I need more of you. Wow. So you talk to God, you ask him a lot of questions. And then something that you just said made me think, I don't know if people realize that we have this helper, the Holy Spirit. So what do you think the role of the Holy Spirit is in conflict resolution for you? Well, I think the Holy Spirit is the peacemaker. He's not a peacekeeper. He's a peacemaker. And the first thing he does is bring us to peace with God. The Holy Spirit is the reason we all come to God. He's the one that draws us near to bring us to peace with God. And the Bible says that we're all enemies of God. We don't agree with God. Because if you would have told me before I was a believer that I was God's enemy, I would have told you absolutely not, I love God. But I did not agree with God that I was a sinner and that I was in need of a savior. So once I agreed with God, I became his friend because now I align my beliefs with his truth. So God is a peacemaker. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings us to peace with God, and I believe he leads us to peace with others. Mm -hmm. And how do you, what would you tell people who are not Christian or baby Christians, like, you know, they're new to this. So if they get in a conflict, they may say they blow up or they're at a 10. They don't know how to recognize the difference between a 10 and a two, that peace to be able to come to someone. So what would be your advice to them? How could they be able to get to that peace to be able to then talk to another person through the eyes of this helper through the peacemaker with the peacemaker? Right. Well, first of all, it's just accepting that you're a sinner which means you make mistakes, you're not perfect. And then recognizing that God is real, that his love for you sent him on a rescue mission to find you, and that he wants you to accept his love and forgiveness. And then once you have that, you enter in that deep abiding relationship with God by finding a local church, attending a Bible study, finding Christian friends, even just praying, Lord, bring me one Christian friend, somebody that I can trust that can lead me opening your Bible or Google and Googling scripture on peace, scripture on the Holy Spirit guiding me, scripture on conflict resolution, and then going over God's word, spending time reading the scriptures, and then how do these scriptures apply to my heart? How does this portion of scripture apply to my situation? And how can I live out that scripture? Mm -hmm. So it, go pointing you to scripture, asking God through the Holy Spirit's help, 
I want yes. that helper that's inside of you to point you to the Bible, to the scripture and or Google and finding out what the right words, what are God's words or God's thinking on all of this. And you, you mentioned also forgiveness. So tell me a little bit more about forgiveness. How, what are your thoughts on that? Forgiveness, I believe is the one thing all Christians struggle with. <laughs> At some point, we all struggle with unforgiveness. And the funny thing is, I heard a teaching once and they said they were they were in a huge conference and they said, raise your hand if you've accepted God's forgiveness. And everybody raised their hand. And they said, raise your hand if you recognize that forgiveness is a calling that we all have on our lives. And everybody raised their hand. And they said, raise your hand if you struggle with forgiving others. And everyone raised their hand. And I thought, what a picture of a broken world that we live in, that here are these people, us, the ones that represent God's grace and mercy to others who struggle with forgiveness. In the last year, situations have happened and that I've been called to forgive some people that wanted forgiveness and some people who didn't think they needed forgiveness. And you know what? God has called me and taught me that forgiving them, releasing them is my responsibility. It has nothing to do with them. It's between me and God. God is saying, I've forgiven you. Will you forgive them? I think of the man that was, he owed a debt to his boss and his boss forgave him the debt. And then somebody under him owed him a debt and he went to them and he strangled them and said, you pay me my money. And I'm like, I don't ever want to be that guy. I want to be the one that says, my, my God has forgiven me. I have to give forgiveness to others. And how, can you give us an example? Of example of forgiving? Okay, I'm going to give you two examples. There's forgiveness of, like I said, somebody that loves you that's going to be in your life forever. And you forgive them and you know that, I don't want to say it's never going to happen again because we are sinners and we repeat the same sins over and over again. But you know this is a lifelong person. And you're going to forgive them and it's going to be a continual thing and you look for the best in them. You release the debt. You say, Lord, I'm not going to hold them against it. You're going to teach them what they need to learn, just like you're teaching me what I want to learn, what I need to learn. And then there are some people that might hurt you and you recognize, okay, this person doesn't want forgiveness. This person hasn't sought restitution or even taken responsibility. How can I forgive this person that's not even sorry? And again, it's looking at God and saying, well... I died for you when you were still a sinner. And I'm asking you to do the same for your own good, for my own good. Mm -hmm. Because how, why would I carry that burden around? Why would I carry that burden around? And sometimes forgiveness is a process. It's not a one-time occurrence. I've decided to forgive you, but then it comes back and it sneaks up into my shoulders where I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that again. No. And you have to continue to for continually forgive, show kindness and grace. But sometimes that's not always an invitation back into your life, right? You can forgive somebody and love that person and be kind to them without offering an invitation back into your circle. Oh, that is a really good point. Um, you know, we touched upon grace a little bit. And I think it's important that you... Um, look at that grace and you ask yourself um how do i give forgiveness even when they don't deserve it you know how how do you do that that's so hard i remind myself that i don't deserve it uh -huh. i don't deserve the grace i've been given i don't deserve the lavish love 
that he's poured into my life. And it makes it so much easier when you look into that, those eyes of love. And you know, I love the illustration of the broken vessels. He's mm -hmm. filling us with water and that comes out our brokenness. And that brokenness is supposed to reach others with refreshment and forgiveness. That is a pretty picture. That's a pretty picture and it's beautiful. But I have to tell you that in that brokenness, how do you do that through the eyes of, um, you know, feeling hurt and pain? You got to take it to God, literally. I literally have to sit and say, this person has hurt me and I feel anger and I feel like I want to take vengeance. I want to make things right. I want to speak truth. I want to, I want to defend myself and I want to let them know how much they've hurt me. But I cannot, th those are not things that I have the ability to show others because I haven't learned it on my own. God is the one that has convicted me of sin, convicted me of wrongdoing, convicted me of my own selfish ways. It's the Holy Spirit that plays that role in my life that taps me on the shoulder and says, what was that about? Because, you know, we can all say and do the right things, but our heart is wrong. And mm -hmm. that nobody can teach you that God has to show you. Mm -hmm. So I think that those are the times that I can say, I'm, I'm old enough to know I'm 50 years old. I've survived cancer. I've survived the loss of my mother, both grandmothers, my mother-in-law. Life is short and I'm not willing to carry around a burden. It's already, I can release it and walk in newness of life. And when it, the enemy wants to come back and remind me what they did, or I see that person, oh yeah, they did this and they did this. I can just say, and that is on God's account. God will do whatever he wants to do in that situation. And I hope and pray that it would be bringing that person to, to repentance, not only in my situation, but to be restored with God. That's great. So, I mean, it sounds beautiful. So what would you tell the people who are listening who are, you know, baby Christians or new Christians or on the line thinking, oh gosh, or, or not Christians at all, you know, they're thinking, oh yeah, right. I'm in a fit of anger. I'm in a fit of rage. I'm so upset. I've been hurt so badly. How, what is the first step that they need to do to be able to, to react in a kind, gentle way, yet, um, you know, instead of stirring the pot more, let the peacemaker do his, his job. How do you do that? Well, first you pray about it. Talk to God. Tell God your true feelings. A lot of people think, you know, I can only pray to God this way with these words, you know, bless that person. No, I can, you can be real with God. David in, in Psalms was real with God. He talked about his true feelings and you can say, I'm angry. I'm bitter. This person, maybe you think that person's destroyed your life. Maybe you think, you know, I'll never get through this, but you can talk to God about that and tell him your real feelings. And one of the scriptures that I love is Colossians 3, 12 through 15. And it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So then you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And then it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. That's a lot. Wow. That's a lot. So That's first of all, first of all, I'm called God's chosen one. So whether you are in the wrong or the other person's wrong, whether you're hurt and you think you're a victim or you're the aggressor, you're, mm -hmm. you're God's chosen one, holy and beloved. So how do we show compassion to others? How do you 
quiet your heart and allow the anger to leave, it's sitting with the Father, sitting at God's feet, talking about it, praying, putting worship music on. And then it says to put on these things, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Okay, stop there. Stop there because meekness, uh, define meekness. You know, we hear it all the time, but define it. Meekness is a softness of heart, I believe. It's just a softness of heart, a gentleness, a quietness. Okay. What's your definition of meekness? I don't know. That's why I asked you. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. You know, you hear it all the time. You hear meekness. That would be one that I would have to Google. Well, a lot of people would think meekness is weakness, but there is you're you're when you forgive somebody you're doing any you are doing the opposite of being weak it takes courage it takes inner strength it takes boldness to forgive somebody you you are coming against somebody who has deeply wounded you and you're gonna choose to take the high road you're gonna choose to take his road his ways his thoughts and you're gonna forgive this person and i love why it says you're forgiving them as the lord has forgiven you so that's quite a task right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why writing this out and putting it on your mirror and reading it every day when you're hurt, it reminds you this is how I'm supposed to be, but I'm waking up angry, but God is calling me and God doesn't call you to something without enabling and empowering you to do it and saying, Lord, make me, make me compassionate. Help me to be kind. Show me what it is to be meek. How do I walk in humility in the middle of this? Mm -hmm. And how can I forgive this person? Like you forgived me, like you forgive me. I have a question for you. When you pray and you've been deeply wounded, do you pray for those who've hurt you? Yes. In the beginning, I probably pray, Lord, convict them, wake them up at night and remind them of everything they've done and show them how they've affected me. And that's okay because that's where the part of the Holy Spirit comes in. And I say, help me to forgive them because God prayed when he was being crucified, beaten, mocked, abandoned by some of the people he loved the most. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And so when did your prayers for others change from convict them? Uh, when and how? Well, I think example. when I'm going to give you, a, I think the biggest how is when I have seen my own brokenness because I'm the sinner. I'm on the other side of those prayers. A lot of the times I'm sure, <laughs> whether intentionally or unintentionally, I have hurt and wounded people as well, I'm sure. So when you sit and think about that, I think it gives you a new humbleness where you can say, I'm, I might sin better or different than that person, but I'm a broken sinner. There's no good in me without God. And then I'm able to see a good, a good clear picture of myself. Then it softens my heart towards others. Mm-hmm. Like what I said, you say? Beginning, I want justice for the other person, but what about when I am the other person? Well, then I want grace and mercy. So I'm going to pray grace and mercy. And I'm going to pray, Lord, help me heal. Help me to heal from this because I I heard a great analogy of of bitterness and unforgiveness uh, by Ken Sands, the Mm -hmm. Peacemaker book. He says, unforgiveness is like being stabbed with a knife and you take the knife out and you put it in your pocket. And every day, four or five times, you take it out and you stab yourself again, remembering what was done to you. Yeah. Wow, what a great analogy. Exactly. And he's like, Do you want that? That's not what I want. My best life, living my best life is overcoming those pains, not carrying them with me. I want to overcome them so that someone that's behind me, I can point the way, just Mm -hmm. like Christ did for me. I can point the way and say, listen, those things, we know, we know, you know. How many studies have you read about people that hold unforgiveness and bitterness and what it does to their body, literally to their body, like 
their blood pressure, sure. cancer, illness, mental sure, illness, sure. insomnia. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. a reason God tells us to forgive. It's good for us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're right. I think that the physical manifestations of your emotions, it, it does, it does come out in your body some one way or another. Yep. Over long periods of time. You know, there are many studies on that. So you brought up Ken Sams. Tell me a little bit about him as an author. What did he, reading him, do for you? And what did he provide in his book? Yes. Well, in his book, he has a class that's called Relational Wisdom 360, mm -hmm. I think it's called, where he teaches you to be self-aware, others-aware, and God-aware. And what that means is, what am I feeling at this moment? And I think a lot of us, not me, because I tend to go to the other side where I'm a little, I'm a little more emotional, but I've learned from having friends that are like-minded, but not like-hearted, like, you know, they, they're not emotional, that mm -hmm. we tend to suppress our emotions because we want to be okay. Especially as Christians, we're supposed to be okay. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So he says, no, let the, the emotions serve you. They're an indicator something's going on inside of you. So let the emotion come up. Let it serve you. Let it teach you like self-analyze yourself. What am I feeling right now? Well, I'm feeling bitter. Why am I feeling bitter? Well, because you have this pain you haven't dealt with, or you have this trauma that you haven't dealt with. So analyzing yourself, am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I just moody? And then analyzing the same in the other person. Does this person seem to be in a good place right now? Are they pleasant? Are their eyes clenched together? Are their shoulders risen? Is this look like a good time to have a talk? And then asking, what about God? Be God aware. What is God calling me in this situation to be? Is he calling me to wait? Is he calling me to let it go? Or is he calling me to speak love and uh, speak truth and love? And that was a great lesson for me because every conflict doesn't have to be dealt with immediately. And some conflicts just don't need to be dealt with at all. It's just a me thing and I can pray and let it go and move on with my life. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's important because sometimes we do get fixated on, I have to say this and I need to say this. No, no, you don't need to show up at every single one. Okay. So in his book, he teaches you self-awareness, others' awareness. And what was the third one? God awareness. And God awareness. Is God teaching you? What is God calling you to do in this situation? Okay, well, that's good because, you know, in counseling, you know, many times people will come to see me and, and I'll ask, you know, what are your triggers? What are those things that are triggering you to make a poor decision? Um, in substance abuse, they do use that. It's called the halt. Hangry, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You know, you're not supposed to make any decisions when you're under the influence of, of any of those feelings or moods. So that is really a good way to look at it. Be self-aware, you know, what in his book. It sounds good. Others aware, kind of recognizing that in other people too. I mean, if your husband's coming home and you see that he's hasn't had anything to eat, he's been working outside or working very hard, you know, cutting the grass all day. I don't think that's the right timing. I think good common sense is applicable you know probably not the best time to be talking about bills right, right. or whatever the the topic is you you want to set the atmosphere set the timing and i think it's really important for you to become aware of what is god calling you to do it's almost like a muscle you know like learning to use that muscle and learning to answer that you know people sometimes don't realize the holy spirit's talking to you all the time especially if you are already in christ then you have that holy spirit all the time inside of you and he's nudging you in the right direction whether we answer that direction is a whole different story i know personally many times i've had that feeling in my gut that says no no don't go there and i you know sometimes i'm self-willed and i'll go there anyways right. and then i'm like oh i knew i should have listened to the holy spirit you know so a lot of times it is trial and error 
you know, yes. but I th- that's a great book. Yeah. I hope that we can reference that. So if anybody yes. needs to look that up, that's a, that's a good reference. Absolutely. I've learned one thing with my husband. I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. Mm-hmm. My daughter's an introvert. I thought it was my job to make her an extrovert. You know, like, no, you're going to say hi to that person. No, you're going to say, you're gonna... no. So one of the conflicts that we always had in my marriage was everything has to be planned out with him. And I'm very spontaneous. If you invite me, I'm all in all the time. So my daughter would say, can we go to a different restaurant on Sunday morning for breakfast? And I'd be like, well, yeah, just tell Bobby. So she would go and say, oh, we're going to this other restaurant. He would say, no, 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 I'm not going there. And I would get so frustrated. She would get frustrated. We usually end up in a huge conflict. And then I learned, okay, he processes different than me. So the next week I told her during the week, let him know that there's this new restaurant that we want to go to. So she did. And he kind of, "Ah." and then I said (laughs) a few days before, oh, Michelle, I think we're going to try that new restaurant. Well, Sunday morning he gets up and he's telling the boys, no, I think we're going to a different restaurant. And I was like, wait, I've been married for 25 years. Why didn't anybody tell me all I had to do was let him know ahead of time? That's Mm -hmm. huge. Because here I'm bitter thinking this guy can never do anything different. He's so boring. He doesn't like to do it. No, he just likes structure. He needs to know yeah. what to expect. So letting him know a few days in advance, oh, I'm thinking of this. Not saying we're going to this restaurant. Just letting, mentioning it and then mentioning it again. And then when the day comes, I was like, this is a holy moment. This man just agreed to go to someplace else. What? Uh-huh. It's all in how I presented it to him. I had no idea. And that, you know, that takes time to get to know other people it, right. get, it takes it takes a lot of trial and errors yes. before you got to that aha moment right. you probably failed a few times for you yes, to go, a few decades oh. i failed <laughs> i was not other aware uh-huh. okay i wasn't trying to learn from him i wasn't trying to meet him where he was mm-hmm. i never asked before because i didn't want to have a conflict during the week so i just waited to that moment and bombarded him right and he was like no 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 wait what yeah, so yeah. once i realized this works i'm like this is amazing. I feel like I've unlocked the treasure. Uh-huh. Just sitting back and praying for years for healthy communication and being able to learn how he processes things has just totally changed our relationship. Wow. I was like, I wait, you mean you weren't saying no just to be against me? Wait, you mean you don't mind going somewhere new? You don't mind your dog? What? All these years I've been thinking you're so mean. Why don't you just say yes? <laughs> And and really had nothing to do with that. Really, it no, was just he just processed. the way he processes things. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to be surprised. He just wants to plan ahead and and probably think about it, and and then he can uh, yes. you know make his decision. Then yeah. that's great. And it does. It takes time to get to know others. Yeah, and um, for you to take time to get to know others, that means that you have to really invest. Right? How busy are we? Everyone, all the time. Uh, and it takes time to get to know one another and find their patterns. Yes, exactly. You know? And once you find their pattern, then it's easier to communicate. So that's great. So uh, self-awareness, other awareness, and then uh, God awareness. I think that you have really grown a lot, Lisa. And, you know, I say that like I know better than you, but I don't. Uh, I say that to you because I've known you for so long. And when we first met, you were the one who was guiding me spiritually. 
And then I, I just think it's interesting how God has just woven us together again, you know, what, 17, 20 years later? Yes. And and we're in different places, you know, lots of it happened in between. And I just think it's wonderful how God uses technology. He uses, I mean, who would have thought? 20 years ago that I would have met you and we would have been talking through a computer to right. each other you for know? a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's wonderful that we're able to use this technology to reach other people to think about, you know, someone might be going through a conflict right now and, and not knowing how to get past it or, you know, with their husband or a friend or not knowing that there's just a book out there that you picked up that is really good aside from the Bible. Right. Okay. And what's his name again? Ken Sands. Ken, Ken Sands. And, and we don't know Ken Sam, so we're not, you know, promoting anything. Uh, right. We just no, this is just a book that's worked in for Lisa at this yes. time. And it's biblically based. And it's biblically based. I think that that's a great jumping off point um, so that people can can learn, you know, a few skills so that they can continue to help themselves. And I don't think that this will be taken care of in one conversation. Absolutely not. This is going to be a series. Yeah. This is <laughs> Are you busy a- for the next 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have time. I have Great. time. How about yes. you? Yes. So, okay. So Thursday, therapy Thursdays are a thing now. We'll meet here every Thursday. We'll release a new podcast with a different pain point and a different solution. And hopefully we can continue the conversation. I think, you know, we talked about social media earlier today. Social media makes everybody look perfect. Like I just went to my friend's house and her, her sister was telling me, show her the pictures from the Bahamas. You look beautiful. And I said, you know that I only put the pictures that I look good in right? Like there's plenty of pictures that I look horrible. I just don't post those. I say that because it's very easy, even in church to look perfect and like you have it all together. And one of the things I realized early in my marriage was that it was good to have couples, like-minded couples around because then you realize, wait, I'm not the only one who's having a difficult point in this part of my life with my kids, with my husband. You realize you're not alone, that other people suffer and other people are struggling. And man, we're supposed to be there for each other. We're supposed to carry each other's burdens and help each other through and pray for one another. And I hope that this podcast will be a place where they can come and see our imperfections and see our strive to want to be Christ-like and how God is growing us. Yeah, I hope so. And I I like that you pointed out, uh, you know, many things that you did to help yourself, you know, and and praying is very important. And I think that for those new beginners, there's a really good book out there, Stormy O'Martian. She has like a series of them. Oh, yeah. I love them. Power of a praying parent, power of a praying wife, power of a praying husband, power of a praying parent of adult children. They even have it. I just bought that one. (laughs) Yeah, really? Power Uh, of a praying husband, my pages are falling out. My pages are literally (laughs) falling out. It's a great resource. They they came out with a new one. She came out with a new one that says power of a a praying girl for like a little, a tween. I'm going to get that one because I I need that one for my, for my tween, my little girl. Yeah. But I, I think it's important that we we learn how to pray and sometimes it's like you said it's this that language you can just come to god and and when you're not used to it i think that this that's also a really good resource because it's not the kind of book that you read from cover to cover when i recommend that to people um i don't say oh start at page one and end up at the end of the book you know it's it's more of like um yeah the first chapter is really good but you you start there 
And then you pray over it and say, okay, God, please lead me. Where do you want me to go? And the table of contents are always very content specific. Yes. And they'll say, you know, do I want to pray for my husband's health? Do I want to pray for my husband's choices he makes, the decision making, or my children, or even my parents? And it'll be spirit driven if you if you pray over how you're going to pray, if that yes. makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, mm-hmm. the three of us, my friend Tatiana and my friend Mel, we bought all bought the books brand new with the Bible studies, Power of Praying Husband, of Praying Wife. And we met together on Zoom once a week and we went over the Bible study questions and then we took turns praying, reading the prayers. You read one paragraph, I read one paragraph, she read one, and then we took turns reading the scripture at the end of the prayer. And what a time of deep connection as we recognize that, you know, we all have the same heart for our husbands. We love our husbands. We want our marriages to be healthy and well, but it just bonded us together. So even if you have a friend that maybe you want to say, hey, would you be willing to read this book with me? And it's such a simple read because it's literally like one page. Can we meet once right. a week and you read the top paragraph and we pray together? It was. Mm-hmm. It is such a heart bonding experience to gather together with other women with the same struggles and go through the scriptures together and learn from each other that it was just sure. transformational. And it, and it is important because when you are with other people who are going through similar situations, it can make you feel normal. Yes. We're not made to be alone. We're not made to be isolated. And we'll be talking about that at another podcast, you know, especially with all this, you know, the pandemic and everything going on. We're not made to be alone and, and it affects people a lot. So when you go, when you talk to someone else and you get out of your head and you get the same responses, like, I know, me too. And, oh, I've been going through that same thing. I was thinking that, you know, it it makes something inside of you go, ah, oh, me too. I'm, I'm normal. And there's hope. It creates hope. So praying and then praying with friends, with like-minded Christians is a really, you know, takes it to a whole nother level, you know, so that helps too. But I do want to thank you so much, Lisa. I think that that this is the beginning of a lot of great conversations that we're going to have. I hope that it will help others. I hope it'll create more questions and answers in the right direction. Absolutely. And before we close, I'd like to read Romans 12, 16 through 21. Okay. It says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you keep burning coals on their heads. And I thought that was a perfect scripture to live peacefully. It's not, we're not here telling you to forgive others because it's a nice thing to do. So you look like a good person. God calls us to live peaceably and in harmony with one another. Like you said, we're not supposed to be alone. If every conflict we have, we write that person off, we'd be alone because we're going to have conflict eventually. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I can't wait for the next conversation. And if you're out there today and you're struggling and you need somebody to talk to, you need somebody that you can confide in, um, I encourage you to go on on Dr. Martinez's webpage. It's Dr. Lydia 
with ID, I'm sorry, Dr. D-R-L-I-D-I-A Martinez.com. And her office number is 786-565-6916. You're not alone. You have two friends here and you're a friend of God. So I want to thank you for joining us, Dr. Martinez. And I can't wait for our weekly conversation to continue. Me too. Me too, Lisa. Thank you for, you know, everything that you do and you're a wonderful friend and, um, I can't wait to see what the fruits will be of all of this, you know? Thank you. Would you close us in prayer? Yes, please. Thank you. Dear Lord, thank you so much, first of all, for uh, the technology for us to be able to do this. Thank you for giving us the time and the place. Thank you for softening our hearts to um, whatever issues have brought us to thinking about coming here. And Lord, I pray for anyone that's out there that needs help with conflict resolution or just needs somebody to talk to. I pray that the Holy spirit would give them the right resources the right people that everything that they do that would glorify you in jesus name i pray amen amen thank you for listening friends of god we'll see you again next week bye thanks for joining us for today's faith with friends podcast we hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation follow us on instagram at faith with friends If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?